what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. Hi everybody, welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast episode number 22. Today we are joined by a great guest, that's Jenny Zakshevsky, who has the YouTube channel Starseed Academy, and she's here to talk about the ages of the cosmos and the golden age. Now for those that don't know, this is the idea that life here on Earth goes through four different ages cyclically, where humanity is either rising in consciousness or falling in consciousness. Now the Hindu Vedas referred to this cycle as the Yuga cycle, Plato called it the great year, and it's split into four different ages or Yugas, and this happens during the precession of the equinoxes, which is the 25,900 year cycle of time that it takes for the equinox to make a complete revolution through all of the zodiac constellations and return to the original position. So you'll know that right now we are in the age of Pisces. It lasts around 2,200 years. Then we go into the next age. Now we are actually leaving the age of Pisces right this moment and going into the age of Aquarius, which is meant to be this age of spiritual awakening. But if you go through the entire cycle, all 12 houses of the Zodiac, then it takes 25,900 years. And that is the great year or the Kali Yuga cycle as the Hindus called it. Now as part of that process, like I said, we go through four different ages or Yugas. And this is the golden age, that's the very top of the cycle, that's where we have this age of spiritual enlightenment, people live like gods here on earth, we live in peace and harmony with ourselves, with each other and with nature, but we descend as we go through this cycle, so we go down into the silver age, followed by the bronze age, and then at the very bottom we reach the iron age or Kali Yuga, which is where many people think we are in right now, and this is the age of ego, materialism, famine, ignorance, war, disease, all of that dominates our consciousness and reoccurs again and again in civilization. But the great news is that we are coming out of that. We're either going into the Bronze Age, which many of us believe, or some people like Jenny actually believe we're going into a Golden Age. And that is precisely what Jenny is here to talk about tonight. Why does she think we're going into a Golden Age? What does it look like? What did past Golden Ages manifest as here on planet Earth? So I really enjoyed this conversation, Jenny is a wealth of knowledge and she takes us through the history of these golden ages and whether or not you agree that we are entering a golden age we can all agree that we are certainly leaving behind this age of dead materialism never before in history have we seen so many people awakening to what is happening here to the debt slavery to the programming and indoctrination laid on them by the controllers of this place of the darkness and satanism that has took hold never before have so many people awoken so quickly not in the last 2000 years at least 
as has happened these past few years and that will only continue of course we still have a long way to go and it doesn't mean we can't sink lower collectively before we truly finally get out of this age of dead materialism but i think that we are coming out of it and i think there is a spiritual awakening ahead of us so in part two we talk about this we talk about how the controllers of this place are trying to stop that from taking place why they will fail and Jenny helps us understand what we need to do as individuals to help ourselves and each other move towards a more spiritually awakened future. So members, you are going to love where we take this in part two, but part one is fantastic and it's here for everyone to listen to. If you'd like to join us for part two and have yet to become a member, please head over to parallelmike.com where you can access part two of each and every episode. Also, I'm going to be doing members Q&A episodes, so if you'd like to submit a question to me, you can become a member, go to the members only forum and there is a forum there for submitting questions which we will answer in the coming episode. In closing, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you're all well, healthy and reasonably happy. Here is part one of my interview with Jenny Zakshevsky who you can find over on YouTube at Starseed Academy. Thank you all and I will see you in the next one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Parallel Mike podcast. We are joined today by Jenny Zakshevsky. Jenny's here to discuss with us ancient civilizations and progression through the ages. So welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really nice to have you on. And maybe you could start by just discussing a little bit about who you are, what kind of work you're up to, uh, to give listeners a bit of a background. Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Um, So I am the founder of Starseed Academy, which is the business that I started at the beginning of 2019. And what I'm doing is I'm helping awakening souls, people that are having that spiritual awakening coming into that self-awareness to really discover their gifts, master their gifts. I teach a course called Psychic Light, which is all about um, teaching people how to use their clairs, speak the language of the clairs and channeling and astral travel, light language. Um, We teach Akashic Records, all kinds of things inside that course. And then I have a follow-up course, which is called CEO of Light, where I teach people to then create these really beautiful spiritual businesses based on the foundation of those gifts. And to me, it feels like empowering one new earth leader at a time. You know, I really see these people, this beautiful spiritual community of entrepreneurs rising up. And I think that that is really like a wave of the future. And I'm so proud to be a part of helping people kind of move into that and unplug from the nine to five programming, really. Yeah, well, I'm all about that, Jenny. That sounds awesome. And I really like that people right now are adding a spiritual element back into their lives after not having it for, well, let's say hundreds of years in the West. It feels like we kind of descended into this really dark period with no God and no eye to the uh, heavens and it's all of a sudden just seems to be igniting and since 2020 that's exploded so the reason I wanted you on specifically Jenny is because you've done a lot of work on this ancient on ancient civilizations on the ages and there's so many people out there talking about these from different perspectives and angles and there's lots of conflicting views and listeners might not agree with your take they might not agree with my take and that's fine uh, so I'll just put a disclaimer in because there's so many different ways of looking at this but I think everyone has something to add to it everyone has something new that will uh, help the listeners learn more about what's taking place in the world so maybe we could get into it Jenny by just well actually let's let's just lay it out as they tell us it so they say that 13 billion years ago there was this big explosion of matter and then 3 billion years back there was single cell organisms about 6,000 years back, we had the first kind of origins of civilization, and now we're here today. 
is that history as you see it, Jenny, or have we been lied to? Well, you know what? First of all, can I just touch on one thing you said earlier? You were talking a little bit about something that really sparked my interest. You said everybody has different accounts and there's a lot of conflicting views. And I just think that it's important to speak on that for one quick second. The thing is that there are parallel timelines. There are timelines where Atlantis did not fall. There are timelines where it did. There are timelines where ancient Egypt was not some big ruling force in our history. And then there are times when it was. And the thing that we have to understand about these these timelines is that parallel timelines have every single possible scenario playing out. And what people resonate with is the timeline where they had an incarnation, which just means a lifetime. So if I had a lifetime on the timeline where Atlantis fell, I'm going to say over and over, that's what happened. And I'm going to say to you know anyone else that's saying it didn't fall or that it was good or that it was divine, I'm going to feel like they're wrong, right? But it's not about right or wrong. It truly is about the perception that you have because of the timeline that you had a lifetime on. And so it's really important to pe- for people to understand it's quantum. It's this quantum universe. We're multidimensional and we've had these lifetimes and there could be somebody right alongside you that had a different experience with Egypt or Lemuria or or Atlantis, which are the three civilizations that I really like to talk about. Um, so let's just just keeping that in mind. It's like if things don't resonate, you're probably on a different timeline than someone that's recounting an experience that they had. And that's totally fine. Right. So then it becomes less about right and wrong and more about how interesting. Let's just be curious. Everyone has a piece of the puzzle and everyone can add something to that larger view. Um, and then as for like, I mean, the, the beginnings of civilization and and the Big Bang Theory and all of that, I mean, I have a pretty galactic viewpoint of that where I really believe that Earth was an experiment where we were seeded by galactic forces um, and there are different um you know, different groupings around the Milky Way that have taken part in that. And so this is a little off topic of ancient civilizations, but not so much where, you know, we've got the Greys, which have seeded a part of the world. And we have the Pleiadians, which have seeded a part of the world. And we have the Lyrans. And there are a lot of like uh, really big channelers out there that have talked about how, you know, the Pleiadians are just ascended versions of us. And the Lyrans are just ascended versions of us, or the Greys are us in the future where we've done things maybe wrong and now they have all of these issues. Um, so, you know, I really think that Earth is kind of just this like huge school. It's definitely an advanced school that people come down to, but it's also this really incredible experiment of different kinds of multidimensional, what we call star seeds, where people have been seeded from different races. And we can see that with, you know, the different races here on earth and how different we can look for being on the same planet. There's a lot of people that say that that would be impossible unless we were coming from these other origination points of being seated. Um, So I do think that life evolved organically um, and that, you know, I was just actually talking with somebody about this. You know, I don't believe that all of a sudden we were just humanoid beings. I really do think that life evolved slowly over time, but that there were pockets around the world of the different continents that were seated a little bit differently and that there absolutely was some kind of galactic interference or help, however you want to look at it. Um, in getting us to where we are into these very advanced sentient beings that have a spiritual nature. Okay, wow, there's so much there that we could unpack because I'm sure this has many different emotional kind of confrontations with listeners because I know I've got Christians who listen, I've got some people who uh, are into astrology, so I kind of get a a good mix of people. And for where I come from is I'm a Christian hermeticist, so I do believe that Jesus was the uh, son of God, but I also 
um, live my life through different energies, astrology. I believe that uh, we're all spiritual creatures and it doesn't matter where you live. There's many different paths to God. So I'm very open and uh, have a, a, a much broader view than somebody who is, say, a Roman Catholic, which uh, I don't vibrate with at all. I'm not into the church or any of this stuff. Uh, to be really minded and I do think that Jesus was this real beautiful person that was very enlightened on earth a lot of people think he was Pleiadian or this or that in the end it doesn't matter so much now I see him more as an ascended master like somebody that came to earth and was able to hold a really high frequency of unconditional love even in the 3d realm even when it's such a low frequency he was still able to hold that that's what makes an ascended master someone that can continue to hold their high vibration when they're surrounded by an environment of lower vibrations he was able to do that and he left us so many beautiful clues didn't he about love and about um, how we're all the children of god not just him all of us are the children of god precisely yeah and i think that is the uh, the message that he brought us was that our God, our creator is pure love. That is the energy of uh, creation. It's just pure love. So whether you have Jesus as your particular ascended master, or maybe you have somebody else and you see Jesus as a contemporary, I'm not somebody who's uh, dogmatic on that. That's what I believe. That's how I feel. But I believe all the other ascended masters were preparing the way for Jesus. Uh, there's so many different energies that are at play. And I think the Bible is probably the most mystical book in the world. I think if you know how oh, to absolutely. read it properly, it's uh, full of astrology and numerology. And I always say this to people. Uh, there's lots of levels to that book. So it resonates a lot with me, what you're saying anyways. But I just want to put it out there to listeners to be open-minded for sure, because there's so much we've got to learn as individuals. Uh, and you can have a, you can have both. You don't have to be dogmatic and rigid in your style. Uh, if Jesus is your ascended master, there is still a lot you can add to that uh, that will help you along your path to understanding. Uh, and I think that's what it's about. He's working with other ascended masters. He's working with all of the dimensions. Like he knows, like he's he's understanding disclosure that there would be to think that life on earth is the only life in our Milky Way galaxy is silly. There are so many beautiful planets there that are inhabitable. And someone like Jesus that is in like a higher ascended realm would, would be able to look down and see all of that, right? So I think he works alongside benevolent beings from many different planets, constellations, even galaxies, and that he understands that we are all children again of God. And you were talking about how you believe Jesus would return. I think in a way, what people call Christ consciousness is him returning. That is us returning to what people call Christ consciousness is returning to that fifth dimensional frequency of unconditional love, where we can see ourselves in our neighbor. And we see that we're all souls underneath these human avatars, and we're all doing our best. And we're all here to learn lessons and to support each other. And when you view it like that, I think that's the way that maybe Jesus would view people as well. He would see them all the light within, right? All the souls within. Let's get ourselves on track then. So how far back can we look at our history? Where do you take it back to in terms of the origins that actually we can make sense of? Because we've got all of these different ancient civilizations people talk about, and you've mentioned some. So how far can you look back into that? And let's maybe start on that track. Well, I mean, there's these ongoing cycles that repeat themselves over and over and over again. And you were talking about the age of Aquarius. And it's it's interesting because the age of Aquarius is supposed to be a golden era. And leading up to a golden era, we have to go through certain cycles to, to get to that place. The first cycle is called that I was going to talk about with you is called Earth's precession cycle or the precession of the equinoxes. And it is that 26,000 year cycle that Earth not just earth, it's actually our whole solar system takes around the brightest star in the Pleiadian cluster, which is Alcyone. 
And we, we, we traverse or we transit around Alcyone every 26,000 years. Now there's a lot of um, cycles in place because obviously we go around the sun every 365 days. And then the sun and our entire solar system goes around Alcyone every 26,000 years. And then there's a larger uh, cycle where Alcyone takes us and the whole solar system with it. And we all go around the star of Sirius and that's every 225,000 years. And there's so many cycles at play, like microcosm to macrocosm with all of these cycles. What's interesting about the 26,000 year cycle, really interesting, is that there is what's called a photon belt of light, or some people call it a toric field or a belt of light particles. And we pass through that photon belt of light twice during the 26,000 year traverse around Alcyone. Okay, so that's our solar system going around the star in the Pleiades. And there is this photon belt of light. It actually looks like a donut, but it's standing on its side. And so we come around and pass through it once and it's 2000 years that we're in it. And then we come back around and we pass through it again and it's another 2000 years. And the understanding that a lot of people like you know, you can research a lot of these terms. The understanding is that those 2000 year periods in the light are golden eras. And that that's what makes Gaia, our earth, a school is that she's constant. She never stays in a golden era and she never stays in a dark age. She is on this unstoppable cycle that they have seen and can measure going from descension, which is dark ages into ascension, which is a golden era, back down into the dark ages, back down into. So it's the cycle of descension followed by ascension, descension followed by ascension. There is so much to learn from that. And there is so much that shifts, obviously, in the civilization and the societies on the world as they go through that. Think about the dark ages and the kinds of lessons people would be learning on earth at that time. It's all about fear. It's all about like witch hunting, witch trials, fear, um, really rigid beliefs around religion is the only way and no room for magic or intuition or, um, you know, people to connect themselves to God. It's all about it's done this way or it's no way. Um, and then when we come back into these ages of light, it's all about personal connections to God, personal connections to that creator. Um, and that's really like what we're going through right now. Like we are, we are entering into that photon belt of light. Actually, we started entering into it at the end of 2012. And so a lot of people had really big things happen to them in that year. Like personally, at the end of 2012, I had an Akashic or non Akashic, sorry, an, a Kundalini rising, which is like one of the most life-changing like moments of enlightenment, very awe-inspiring where you feel you understand what it means to be oneness, what it means to be everything, like you are just the all. And so you can think back to where you were at 2012 or at the end of 2012 and kind of see that's when we started entering into this toric field or this photon belt of light again. And so, you know, just as Gaia has this cycle of descension followed by ascension and there's this microcosm to macrocosm effect, we also, I know that we also have a soul journey. Right. And so the soul journey is very much mirrored in that our souls also have like our soul journey is cyclical. It's a cycle. And so we are, you know, coming from source. Everyone comes from source or God, whatever term you prefer. And then we do this descension down and then we, we, we kind of 
descend as low as we're, we're willing to go. Some people stop at earth. Some people go a little bit lower than the third dimension. And then we begin to rise back up again, all the way back up into rejoining God or rejoining source back into unconditional love and oneness. But it's thousands and thousands of lifetimes along that cycle. And we, and the reason why we have to descend. So it's not always about ascension. Like the spiritual community thinks it's not all about ascension. It is actually about descension first. You're learning lessons on the way down and you have to take your time when you like individually as a soul from God's source, you are, it, it's enough of a shock to suddenly have a personality and be this individual and not be just like in this, you know, bath of love, you kind of individuate and you go into like, I would say angelic realms into these higher, more gentle realms where you have lifetimes there and you slowly descend through those dimensions, you know, having lifetimes as you go all the way down. And then, like I said, you come down as far as you're willing to go. Maybe it's earth, maybe it's lower. And then you start the ascension path whenever you're ready. The descension is learning lessons. The ascension is healing back to oneness and back to God. But that's just a way of looking at how we mirror uh, these cycles are mirrored all throughout our universe and, and within our own soul journey as well. There's times of darkness and there's times of light. There's descension, there's ascension, and they support each other. We need both. You know, we need to understand that it can't all just be good golden eras all the time in our own journey or in the journey of a planet. The, those 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 um, learning through contrast is what helps us to learn. That's what brings us that really deep wisdom. So Anyway, that's the 26,000 year going through that photon belt of light. That's really the first cycle. And we can see um, that there are so many symptoms of that. I would say the largest symptom that we're seeing now is called the purge, right? Where, where all of the things that we can't take with us into a golden era in our, in our society starts to be purged. So all the corruption starts to come to light. All of that darkness starts to come to light. You're entering into this belt of light it's a, it's a very valid ascension symptom to have to purge the darkness that you're carrying that's personal and that's on a large human con like collective of humanity scale right and i'm sure that you can see that purge too happening like on a collective scale especially since 2020 but on a personal scale people are purging things that no longer are aligned you know they're they're letting go of old ways of being old habits old jobs old relationships it's very personal the purge but it's also a larger kind of collective purge that's happening i'm seeing both things happening i'm seeing some people all of a sudden just having this complete shift of consciousness and say oh i can't believe i've been living in this paradigm uh this matrix some people say and i think 2020 and this whole covid psyop that woke loads of people up to to, to to what was going on and this control grid that was kind of being put upon us all and now all of a sudden they're looking into hidden histories maybe finding channels like yours and, and those people are now on this real spiritual journey so i'm seeing that and then i'm seeing other people just really triple quadruple down and attach themselves almost to the old system you know and they, they're, they're too afraid too fearful to look into what might be happening and that is exactly of course where they want us and i think yeah impact too i'd love to go down that route with you to, to kind of get your take on it but as we're on the topic of the ages i just wanted to get your take on how you see these different types of ages because the greeks called them the iron the bronze the silver and the gold and they said there's these four ages and to play devil's advocate, there's a lot of people out there right now that say, actually, 
now we're in the Iron Age now and we're coming into the Bronze Age. So maybe if you could just give listeners an idea of what the different ages mean and why some people think we're at one side and some people think we're at the other. Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I think that, you know, so you can, there, there's personal intuition and there is, you know, people wanting to connect themselves and like somebody like me, who's a divine channeler, I love to channel this kind of information, but then there's just a, so much research that you can do as well. And so that um, 26,000 year procession cycle, that's something anyone can go and research. And you can see that they can prove that we're on this repeating loop of this 26,000 years and that there's that photon belt of light that we go through every it's, it's a double cycle, right? It's, it's, I, that was actually something that I didn't understand until recently. I thought that it was a golden era at the top, dark ages at the bottom, a very simple cycle, like what you're talking about, that diagram of the bronze and the, and the silver and the gold, all those ages. I thought it was super simple, but it's actually a lot more complex than that. It's this double cycle where the golden era happens at the top and the bottom and the dark ages are more like on the sides, which is really interesting. But I think that the proof is all around us. Like the, to me, the proof of there's so much proof, actually, there's the proof of the purge, first of all, and all this corruption coming to light. There's the proof of this huge wave of spiritual community. There's this like the sense of people stepping back into that, wanting to connect to their own oneness, wanting unity consciousness, Christ consciousness. And I think all of that shows that we're birthing at that new golden era. And plus we're in that age of Aquarius or, or coming up to that. Um, so I think that the people that are thinking that we are in a dark age are looking at the purge as a bad sign. It's easy to do. You look at the way that the world is right now, it seems like it's worse than ever. The war and the corruption and all the things, that seems really bad. Obviously, that looks like we're going into a dark ages. But the level of self-awareness that people are coming into, self-awareness, spiritual awareness, it, to me, that that really just points to the fact that this is a temporary dark time because of a purge and not actually a dark age. Yeah, and I think irrespective of whether you think we're in, the, we're going into a golden age, whether we're in one, we can all agree that we are going into a new zodiacal age because that is something that we can actually measure by looking at the sky. And there are profound changes happening in the world. That is a fact. And that is going to continue. So things are changing and those changes are huge. And you can see that all around us. So, um, yeah, I think it's up to the individual to, to figure out that one. But we are def definitely going into Aquarius now. Uh, so perhaps we can talk a little bit about past golden ages. Yeah, absolutely. So, OK, so there's that first cycle is the, the procession cycle, right? Another cycle that might be important to know about that people might be a little bit mind blown about is the is a cycle called supercontinents. Right. So they also play a part in these these golden eras versus separation. So Lemuria is the golden age that I love to talk about. So that was when the Earth was one great island. There was one like a supercontinent. It was one landmass. So that means there's one ocean. And there's one island, basically, and it's all and that is very representative of oneness, isn't it? Like when you look at separation or division consciousness versus unity consciousness, it's it's super um, relevant when you look at it that way. So according to geologists and scientists, the last supercontinent was called Pangea. And that name means um, all entire whole and Mother Earth. So all one Earth. Um, and the proof of Pangea, you can, again, if somebody wanted to research that, you could so, you could super look this up. It's P-A-N-G-E-A-E-A, -E -A, sorry, P-A-N-G-A-E-A. -E -A. 
And it came about 1596 when they started to prove that the earth at one point was a supercontinent, right? They can, obviously you can measure like the, the coastlines, you can see how it all fits together. And then they went further than that. And they started looking at things like mountain ranges, ice caps, and they could see that things actually belong together and that they had broken apart. That doesn't seem too mind blowing. I can look at a map and see, yeah, that looks like it all fit together at one point, all these pieces of the puzzle of our continents. The mind blowing thing is that they have now proven that this is a cycle where these continents come together and then separate, but then they come together again and then they separate. And there's no real known reason why they would continue to do that. And what I've tuned into is that I believe that our planet is sentient, like a sentient being. Um, I, a lot of people call her Gaia or Mother Earth and that she is the soul. And I believe that about you know all planets and celestial bodies, that there is a soul within. You can have a lifetime as a human, an animal, a tree, a planet. Like, hopefully that's not too mind-blowing. <laughs> and then, so so Gaia herself is this sentient being. And within her, within her inner earth, she is able to trigger whatever it's, you know, oceanic forces, volcanic forces, whatever forces it takes to pull back all of these continents back to one piece of land is insane to think about. And so if we think about that, that also aligns with golden eras a lot of the time. And there is, with the procession cycle, it can be measured. They said with supercontinents, you can't measure this. It's when she decides. It's when she thinks, okay, this is a good time to come together. But it's also when she thinks, okay, the, the, the and, and I want to talk about why she would decide to separate continents. And that has to do with like the fall of Atlantis for sure. And it kind of like falling and sinking into the ocean. So we can talk a little bit about the first, the, the golden era of Lemuria, if you'd like. Um, just knowing, though, that it's not a prediction as to the golden era we're about to experience, it's very, each one is very different because we are very different each time, like life on Earth is very different each time. So it's no, by no means a prediction, um, but you can get a, a look into Lemuria through ancient history, through looking at the supercontinent of Pangaea, through channelers, through, you know, books around this. It's either known as Lemuria or it's known as Mu, M-U. A lot of people call it that. And that was that supercontinent Pangaea. And so it was this great paradise-like island. Uh, the ocean was one great ocean. There were two powerful worlds, the ocean versus the land, but they worked together. I would say it was very divine feminine time or even a matriarchal time on earth where everything was very much in harmony with the planet. Um, everything that they did, they took into consideration the health of the planet or the health of the ocean. And they did things in accordance with that, like it, they worked with it instead of against it, which unfortunately that's the, the we're in a, a much more of a, like a toxic masculine energy or a patriarchy where it's very much, there's no care given to that. Um, and interrupt me at any time because I might just keep going because I love this kind of stuff. But the beings of, of the land and the beings of the ocean at that time, they were both sentient. They were both highly advanced, highly spiritual, highly intelligent, and they worked together. So just as the humans worked together on the surface, all of the ocean kind of beings were on the same page as well. Um, the ocean was revered for power, strength, and considered sacred. And the land was also considered a conscious being and sacred. So it was almost like two spirits that were working together. And the civilization of Lemuria lived in balance and harmony with these two great forces. So even their advanced, like what you would call technology, healthcare, all of those things, it came from the land. Um, the structures that they would build their buildings out of was made from renewable resources. It was all very 
organic. It was all very energetic and it was all very organic. They used things like seeds to carry information, crystals to power things, um, to carry like messages, frequency. And if you wanted to um, kind of like communicate with people on the other side of this island i mean it wouldn't be as far because it was all just one continent but they would it almost feels like it was back in time a little bit where they were you know there was no internet for instance there was no internet at that time um and that's not to say technology is not a good thing but just at that time it was not uh it was not in play um and so their their technology was super organic um, it was very like a slower paced, very, like I said, divine feminine kind of spiritual time on earth, a really beautiful time of oneness. Um, and the trees and the plants were all, you know, connected to Gaia. She communicated through them with her people. There was, it almost reminds me of like Avatar where they spoke or communicated through like the trees and the root systems. And there's so much in that movie that feels so much like Lemuria to me and that golden era. But yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful time of oneness. Um, working closely with spirit, ancestral spirits, um, other realms. And at that time, humans were at their peak of health. In a golden era, we are different. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of people talk about crystalline beings. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a lot to do with like the way that when you're in that photon belt of light, it can't help but evolve all of life on earth, you know, not just humans, but the, the plants and the animals as well. And so we all kind of step into this very advanced version of ourselves where that junk DNA comes back online, where we're using all of our brains and our health, like our, our lifespan extends. And when I tune into that, I also see the people being like a lot taller, a lot stronger, just like a lot healthier and, and, and more um, like long-term lives, uh, you know, that we had as humanity at that time. So, you know, the sun made them healthy, not sick. They weren't afraid of the sun the, the way that we are now. Uh, they didn't have, um, you know, fears around health. They didn't have really even like seasons. I see it all as just being this very tropical time and tropical environment and island. Um, and there was disclosure at that time. And, you know, just to bring in the galactic, because I am Starseed Academy after all, there was there was disclosure at the time. There was benevolent Arcturian beings and Andromedan beings that were visiting. They were drawn here because there was that powerful love frequency, that powerful peace frequency. And they visited, they didn't stay because they don't want to like interrupt the, the, the natural progression of a society that's doing really well. So there was no need for them to intervene at that time. They didn't want to, um, you know, stop the organic development of the society that we were having. And there were also lots of, of water world beings. There's, there's water worlds in Sirius. The star Sirius B has many water worlds that uh, orbit around it. And so there was, you know, beings that were visiting the, the land of Lemuria, beings that were visiting the ocean of Lemuria. And there was just like a lot of oneness in the universe. That means that at that time, humans understood disclosure. They didn't feel alone. They didn't feel isolated in the universe. They were getting these visitations. They were understanding Gaia's spirit. They were understanding the spirit of God and source and the sun. And it was all just very like oneness. That's like the best word that I can think of to describe that oneness and unity. Um, and then after, you know, that golden period, as it started to dip down is when Atlantis was born. And I don't know if you wanted to me to take a break before I jump into Atlantis <laughs> or get, give you a chance. To There's a lot of different threads that I could have pulled on there, but I wanted to let you finish. So maybe one of the things that you mentioned that would be worth 
kind of just adding to the conversation. Did you know about that that ancient civil? Well, it wasn't an ancient civilization. It was a tribal civilization. I can't remember whereabouts in the world there was. I'm going to Google it whilst uh, I hand it back over to you. But they knew that Sirius B existed long before we actually discovered it ourselves, which says that the ancients had knowledge of it. And they said, oh, well, we had it passed down gen- or- orally, generation to generation. Have you heard of that, Jenny? That that this so, so that Because that really does suggest that the ancients knew and had this knowledge given to them. There's no way they could, because you, you can't actually see this from the, I mean, you can see Sirius from the... Um, from the sky because it's so bright but you can't see Sirius B but they knew about it oh absolutely like you know as I'm looking into these ancient civilizations Atlantis ancient Egypt even I see a lot of um interactions with with beings you know coming down to earth and giving technology to humans sharing things with them teaching them about the stars I mean honestly look at the Egyptian artwork the ancient Egyptian artwork and you can't deny or even Syrian artwork it's like you can see spaceships in it you can see these galactic beings like I I really love ancient Egyptian um, history and culture and artwork. And I love to see that you can see all of these avian beings or the Syrian beings, like the dog beings from Sirius or the feline beings from Lyra. There's so many humanoid yet with the, um, the, I don't know if you know anything about like galactic beings, but like Lyran beings are feline. We've got the dog beings from the canine beings from Sirius. We've got avian beings from Cygnus, from, um, the Orion constellation, there's quite a few places that have avian beings. And you see all of that in the artwork and reptilian beings from Draco. I mean, you see it all in the artwork of, of ancient Egypt. So to me, that to me, that just says it's proof to me of disclosure of these visitations. And of course, then they would be sharing a lot of information about their home worlds with humanity. I found it now just online. It's called the Dogon tribe. And it's a hundred thousand individuals who live in Burkina Faso in West Africa. And they actually are cave dwelling uh, society and uh, no technology there and they've known about series b for thousands of years apparently and they say that they were visited by other beings this is their oral tradition and they got told about Sirius b and they've got an extensive knowledge of it now i think we found Sirius b in the 1950s so we was a few thousand years behind them and yeah. uh yeah so and it's and it's invisible to the to the naked eye you cannot see it so there's no way they could have known about it uh for listeners yeah. who want to look that up it's called the dogan tribe I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I didn't know anything about that. And I think that that's such a beautiful example of uh, maybe these visitations, but also what if those tribes just have like really beautiful soul gifts where they are able to astral travel or traverse the universe and go and, you know, astral travel is real. Um, you know, being able to observe different parts of the universe while you're kind of like going on this soul journey is real. They sometimes they call them shamans or dream walkers or, or just to me, I would just call it astral travel. You can gain a lot of information through that as well. So it could be a combination of them working with their ancestors, doing astral travel, having visitations from galactic beings, but everyone discounts that because if it's not science, if it's not, you know, if you can't see it with your physical human eyes, if you're seeing it with your mind's eye, apparently it doesn't count. You but know who doesn't discount it though, though, Jenny? You- the CIA and intelligence services, because there's been many, many programs. And there was one that lasted, I think, over 20 years where they were employing people who did astral travel. And some of those people actually just 
disappeared and that you can find more information about that online too. So they certainly are interested in it. So what does that say? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. Oh yeah. I mean, I love, honestly, I love astral travel and it's something that I teach and there's many levels of astral travel that you can get to if you continue doing it. So um, beyond just remote observer, you can truly go and interact with beings. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that about that tribe. I think that's a just proof of a lot of the things, you know, that we're talking about, that there's so much more, you know, people thinking nowadays, because we're in this more of that masculine patriarchal, you know, science or logic based, which is is not a bad thing if it's in balance with the feminine energy of intuition. But right now it's just, it's all about logic. Um, And so if you can't see something with your bare naked eyes, it's not real. And so unfortunately that leaves people, you know, missing out on, on, you know, 80% of the magic of this place. So I think it's great that there are tribes out there that are still, are still intuitively, you know, experiencing all of that. And, and, uh, and I hope that they leave them alone <laughs> and that they don't go and bother, you know, cause they want to go in and study them. They're just going to ruin it. I hope they just leave them alone. Do you think that the golden age, and you talked about how things looked like, and we was going to talk about Atlantis, but do you think that this explains the monoliths and the megastructures that we've got then this ancient technology oh yeah like definitely i think that our you know human history books are missing everything and they just put in there what they want us to focus on basically um but yeah there's i i do believe that they have a lot of when i say they i guess i mean like you know government kind of institutions actually have a lot of things that they've hidden because when they find new pyramids when they find new um uh, like sacred sites they actually the government races in to take away a lot before anybody can see it so they're removing so much before we even see and what we have in our museums is like one percent of what's really been found and um but even just the pyramids themselves standing the way that they do the way that they're so perfectly and mathematically aligned to the orion's belt the way that they were constructed before they had you know they try to explain it away with like manual labor and slavery and stuff but i do think that there was definitely people using things like sound frequency to build and move things um and that there was also probably like those benevolent maybe galactic beings that were helping alongside that there was also a time of giants they tried to cover up giants you know like that is something that they try to cover the skeletons up of the time of giants that were on earth like there's just so much for sure yeah if people truly understood the the scale of what they're trying to explain away like the the great pyramid of giza they tell us that it took 10 to 20 years to build and like you said that it was made by slave labor it's 146 and a half meters high and that made it the largest structure we ever built for almost 4,000 years. It's made of 2.3 million blocks of stone weighing between two and 30 tons each. And they say this was transported from a local quarry. But then the largest granite stones there are about 80 tons. And they say that was transported from 500 miles away. So wow. they transported 80, 80 ton granite that. stones from 500 miles away. And they did it well. They they put it together with chisels and the stones have got about a half centimeter gap between them. And they did all of that with chisels in 20 years. And the calculation of how fast they would have to do that is they would have had to done 800 tons of stone a day or 12 of those mega blocks a day for 20 years straight. But why do people believe that? It's like before you said when people are really trying to just we were talking, this was a little while back when you said people just want to chain themselves to the old reality. They don't, it's through fear. They don't want to question things. It's really scary. I call it ostrich syndrome syndrome, where they just want to put their head in the sand. 
no, 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 no. Like, like, I just want to believe what I'm being told because to think that your government is hiding things from you is really scary. Right. And so for some of us, it's a little bit freeing and we're like, okay, I'm so glad that I'm, you know, kind of unplugged from that system and I'm able to think for myself, but for other people, it's just too frightening to think because if they're lying about that, what else are they lying about? And now we're in a rabbit hole, aren't we? So yeah, it's definitely frightening for people. But I mean, that is just ridiculous to even try to say that humans did that. And I think that there is like a lot of incredible um, skills that probably still exist that we could tap into if we had the information or the wisdom. I know that sound frequency is one very big one, that the, the capabilities of that have not been explored or have been, but have been hidden. Um, the ability to lift things, to shape things, you know, just from sound frequency and directing it at it specifically is, is something that I've definitely seen in my, you know, in my channeling in that. Um, but yeah, we can definitely talk about ancient Egypt a little bit, but if you wanted to, I could jump back into the Atlantis, like how it came off the back of Lemuria. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. And, you know, I think a lot of listeners will probably have some familiarity with uh, secret societies and Freemasons, Rosicrucians, and the idea that a lot of this knowledge is there, but it's just been transmitted to the initiated in their secret clubs so that they can use that to control society. And then we get fed all of this bullshit history. Um, it's soulless. It's got no truth to it. And that, of course, makes it impossible for us to ever change our situations without awakening somehow, you know, having some kind of trigger. But most people, like you said, it's that ostrich syndrome. It's like, no, I want to stay where I am. Thank you, because it's safe. But it's not safe okay. because ultimately it could lead, lead to demise. You know, I always say a lot of people the last few years did things that they're now really regretting because the health's been destroyed. I mean, it might feel good for a time to stay in that safety zone but uh, it's ultimately not safe because you're not you're not living you know you're not truly living and you somebody's gonna use that against you the fact that you're not thinking it's like right well they're gonna control you and we're seeing a lot of that happening right now but let's go to atlantis and that's a really uh, i think a lot of people are more aware of atlantis than anything else because it was actually written about by solon and the greeks spoke of atlantis so maybe we can go down that one yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so coming off the backs of Lemuria, you know, Lemuria was in this this photon belt of light, but because that cycle can't be stopped, it will start to traverse out of the photon belt of light. And now the descension starts. And as that happens, the minds of men and, and women began to stir into the direction of power, science, technological progression, away from that divine feminine organic kind of lifestyle into looking for like dissatisfaction and looking for more, looking for that power, looking for that progression. Um, and that kind of murmuring of dissatisfaction got louder and louder. And it became this, uh, like what you're talking about, the elites, that secretive group of people that are really interested in kind of having all the power and the information for themselves. That was kind of like the beginning, I feel, of the the elites um for this cycle anyway and so egos were also coming back online as earth was leaving that photon belt so for us we understand egos our ego in our minds we understand that it can be very negative and that it can kind of like lead us down the wrong path if we take it too literally and if we don't kind of you know, integrate it with love. Um, but if you were only ever knew love and light and you were kind of born into a golden era and then suddenly the ego came online, you wouldn't, the way that we have an understanding of it, you wouldn't understand it and you might fall prey to it more easily. So egos came back online and that really rose uh, this rise of that toxic masculine 
energy swept over the planet one small group at a time and, and it kind of became these elites so the industrial industrialization of gaia's resources started to take place in order to build materials to construct like skyscrapers cities flying vehicles everything that we've heard about atlantis super modern very different than lemuria flying vehicles inventions they built this great city and it was powered by solar power crystal power um there was a sudden interest then as the technological rise happened it, from the greys i don't know if you ever heard about the greys but they are very um interested in like science and technology and it's their strength so they you know all of a sudden became very interested in what was going on on earth because we're always being observed and they started to contribute to the civilization many of their own scientific inventions and blueprints um so there was kind of like a gray interference there um or at least sharing of information and technological advancements that led to some dark things that i'll i'll share so as, as we also move away from that photon belt of light, something to note also would be that the lifespan starts to deplete because, you know, in that golden era, humans are at their healthiest. It's like a lot longer of a lifespan, could be even a few hundred years or even more, who knows. Um, but as the lifespan starts to deplete as a natural effect of leaving that super high frequency, it started to really concern those elites that were in charge and to really worry them. So they began to do these unnatural unethical experiments, scientific and medical experimentation on how to lengthen their lifespans. And one of those experiments was they would try to move their own soul into like from an older body of an elite that's kind of getting on an age and starting to experience aging much quicker. Um, they would try to move their own soul into like a younger body, thus taking over that younger body. So the younger soul would have to be con Tained somewhere within that body and almost like trapped within themselves. Um, and as the other soul, that older elite soul would kind of come to the forefront of the consciousness and begin to live life in a newer kind of younger, fresher body, the trapped soul was this unwilling participant. And usually those kinds of, of young bodies that they used, they were pulled from families that had no power, no wealth or reputation. So kind of from like the lower class families, right? Of course, that's what they would pull them from. So there are people alive now on earth, you know, that had participated in those cruelties on that timeline and the people now that you know are dealing with a lot of that dark karma that they have to work to clear before they're ever going to ascend higher than earth you know they're going to be kind of like stuck on a loop you know doing earth after earth lifetime until they can kind of clear some of that dark karma um, but it wasn't all dark there was a lot of scientific experimentation with the human bodies, but some of it was playful. So another thing that I've really seen that was happening a lot in Atlantis reminds me of um, kind of like like the the vibe of the Hunger Games, you know, the people in the capital city, how strange they were. And they had like a lot of, you know, crazy fashions and, you know, crazy um, AI additions to their bodies and different kind of mixtures in their bodies with their DNA. So that was something that started in Atlantis at well. It was called like DNA splicing. These were willing individuals and they would be taking on like almost animalistic qualities it became very trendy and a sign of like social status to have like the features of your daughter of like maybe a doe like big doe eyes or like the, the doe ears or even like feline features um, or think for the boys like strong horns exotic eyes the mane of a lion and it was all this carefully um, chosen kind of more of a trendy thing that happened before birth 
where they would be adding this all kind of into like petri dishes of the embryos of rich and powerful parents. So I do see, you know, hints of that happening now on earth where people are able to choose the color of the eyes that they want their baby to have. I'm talking like rich elites that are kind of like have access to this kind of technology. They're able to choose, you know, the color of the hair, the color of the eyes. There's a lot of that already happening on the earth. And this was happening in Atlantis, but to more of an extreme degree where you're seeing where they could choose to add in just like different things from animals. Um, another trend, I mentioned AI quickly, another trend, which didn't have to happen in the Petri dish before birth, this could happen at any point in your life, you would be able to add on AI additions to the human form. So think advanced eyes that did like night vision or different kinds of things with the eyes seeing in the dark or far distances, built in computers in the forearm, sometimes weapons or other enhanced. Um, so it was definitely very different than Lemuria. This was all about technology. This was all about um advancement this was all about how far can we take things not whether we should but how far can we just to see if we can take things that far and then as those atlantean cities began to grow there was this smaller group that remained in the full lemurian frequency they didn't resonate with all that almost like an ascended master when we were talking about someone that remained in that really high frequency of love and saw all of this going on around them and really just did not resonate with it at all and they communed with gaia with mother earth with the spirit of the earth and asked for help and she opened up a way for them to enter into inner earth so i don't know if you've heard about like the the stories about that there are civilizations living in inner earth, this is where it began, where the Lemurians were able to kind of escape into inner earth. And that ancient line of Lemurians is believed to still exist today in inner earth. Um, and uh, one of the special places where I've seen that is Mount Shasta is being like an opening to inner earth. And people believe also like the North Pole and the South Pole also have openings to these inner worlds and that there literally are cities under the earth, worlds under the earth, all of these things under the earth. And some of them, uh, you know, can be like, I believe that some of them are this, these Lemurian ancestors, basically, that kind of looked for a refuge in the earth for that. Um, and then as that frequency, again, just coming even lower, diminishing frequency on the planet, uh, the further away from the photon belt, Earth traveled the lower and the lower it got, the more sinister the Atlantean intentions became. And they had all of this power and they had all this technology. They set their sights on time travel. And that would make them pretty unstoppable and able to destroy other worlds and other timelines. And there are, you know, high galactic councils of light that protect things like timelines. And also Gaia herself would try to stop that. And so together, Gaia and these high councils ensured that Atlantis would fall. And that's where Gaia you know, that supercontinent that we talked about where the continents become a supercontinent, they were still at that time. Well, she put into action all of the forces that she does when she pulls continents apart, which we've seen has happened many times. She did that. And, the, you know, again, oceanic forces, volcanic forces, whatever it takes for her to create that separation of the, the island of Earth into separate continents. Um, as it broke apart and drifted away from itself, Atlantis fell into the ocean. So there's so many stories across so many civilizations that Atlantis sunk into the ocean. That's what I understand is why is because they were going so far and too far. 
into their technology with these darker intentions of taking over um, different places. And so the, the continents separate and Atlantis sinks. And then what people now believe is that the Bermuda Triangle is actually the site of the Atlantis city that has sunk. Um, and I have, you know, done some astral travel into the Bermuda Triangle and seen a crystal pyramid. And I know that Atlantis, the cities, a lot of them were built on, you know, from crystals and built from these different materials that I've seen before around the universe. Um, I don't know. I don't have a word for it, but there's this clear material that I've seen structures on the moon are made from it. I've seen a, the Atlantis city made from a lot of it and, and different kind of um, times on earth and, and planet. It's this completely clear material, but it's stronger than the strongest steel through. And I, I don't have a word for it, but it's like the strongest substance on earth. And that's what they build a lot of these structures out of. So on the dark side of the moon. In mithril? Is it mithril? Like it's like, a, it's light as a feather, but strong as steel? I've heard of that. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so that's what I've seen, like, almost existing at the Bermuda Triangle, like crystal pyramids and that that leftover pieces of this sunken civilization. So that to me is kind of the story on the timeline that I recognize of where Atlantis fell. And again, we talked at the beginning about how if that doesn't resonate for you, there's multiple timelines of different outcomes for Atlantis. But I would say that that's the majority timeline. Like most people on earth are going to resonate with the fact that Atlantis fell and that it did sink into the ocean and that the reason why is that they went too far with their power and with their like being hungry for power and and technology and going too far with a lot of things well you know when it comes to atlantis there are too many historical accounts of it for it to be uh, just a myth that the greeks made myths and when the greeks wrote their myths they laid them out as myths they didn't add them to their hist history now a lot of the things that you're saying also are in biblical history. You know, so this is another thing that people uh, need to recognize is that the Bible gives a very accurate history. The biblical lifespan, for example, from Genesis 5 to, uh, let's say, 5 to 9, they talk about how we live to about a 1,000 years old. And then as you go through the different generations, we became more and more, let's say, mortal. Like we'd, we'd lived till about 175 years. I think that was Abraham. Then by the time you got to Joshua, it was down to 110 years. And also they spoke about the giants. Uh, I've got the quote in front of me, actually. It says, there were giants on earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So this is this race of giants that, that we're told about in Genesis that were the sons of God. Now, when they say the sons of God, they don't mean that doesn't translate that they're human. It means that these and they're not angels either. So it's like this other race of being that was created and came down. And then they had uh, they had sex with uh, females that were human. And then they yeah. created this other kind of mixed race. And there's a lot of conspiracy okay. around that that's as well. Egypt. That, that was like ancient Egypt is, as I feel like when the, Neph we call them Nephilim, right? Is that, would you agree that's what the giants were called? I think there's good evidence to back this up that the royal bloodlines who believe they have the divine right to rule, they claim to come from the Nephilim. This goes to the lizard link as well, because rhesus negative blood is only found in about 15% of the population, but 100% of the royal bloodlines have it. Now, the interesting thing about rhesus negative blood is when you have a child, that person also has to have rhesus negative blood. Otherwise, there's about a 50% chance that child's going to die in childbirth. 
So that's why they all interbreed too, to make sure that they... And and if you want to marry into the royal bloodline, so for example, Meghan Markle recently, obviously she married in, she actually spoke, oh, when I first went to the UK, they took my blood, the royal family, and did a load of tests. And she actually said this in a media interview. Now, I immediately knew what that was about, but the average reader would have been like, meh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> and I was like, no, they're making sure you've got rhesus-negative blood before they allow you to mar- uh, have a child with somebody who also has rhesus-negative. So just an in- interesting aside that links up to the giants. And they also talk about in the Bible, like fire chariots coming down. And it's like, well, that's probably spaceships, <laughs> like, you know, chariots of fire. Like, I don't know. That sounds like a spaceships, ch- chariots of light. I mean, there's definitely a potential that it is. But this takes us to the next, uh, and maybe this will probably be the end of part one, and it might go into part two, but the Bible also tells us about the cataclysms and the cataclysms that destroyed Earth, that God sent a a great flood. Uh, There was two great floods. Uh, And of course, we know that the cataclysms happened with these ancient civilizations and ended the golden eras. So how do cataclysms fit into all of this, Jenny? So the Great Flood, I actually don't, I I have never really channeled information about the Great Flood. So I don't have any information about that for you. Um, I know that it went from Lemuria and then it kind of like sunk into this Atlantis. And then the next stage would have been ancient Egypt after that. And that was when now the continents were separated and how that all kind of came to play with the giants and the interbreeding and all of that. Um, where the flood fits in in the Bible, I'm not sure for regarding ancient Egypt, if that would have been like way before or way after. I think it was after the giants because, you know, ancient Egypt had all of this like breeding that took place between intergalactic beings and human women. Well, I mean, it is a natural descension, right? Because when we talk about that, that cycle of 26,000 years, they're going to descend into darkness. And that means that we're going to have all of these people all of a sudden with these like bad intentions and, and doing kinds of things that, um, but it really just depends on like if it, a cataclysm would happen either from if you believe God or or a galactic interference when people are going too far with something. So in the Atlantis, you know, sake, it's because they were starting to try to under like travel time, like, you know, and interfere with other timelines. Well, they couldn't let that happen. Nowadays, when we, you know, play around with like nuclear weapons and nuclear war, there is like accounts of people seeing spaceships or lights deactivating nuclear weapons. Um, So I think that whenever humans try to go too far, it's something that's really going to affect either their own planet or other timelines or other civilizations. There's a way that it gets stopped. And I do think that God source, angels, Jesus, ascended masters, galactic beings, in higher realms all work together to ensure that that doesn't happen with atlantis sinking that was gaia as well stepping in and making sure that happens when you're talking about like sulfur raining from the sky i mean i don't i don't know necessarily but i i yes i absolutely believe that these like cataclysms are not necessarily on a cycle but are happening when something is going on that is leading people you know down a really really dark path that's either going to destroy humanity like destroy our own selves which we continue to try to do or destroy our planet or some other kind of timeline um and when you're talking about the sulfur things that could have been a lot of interference that could have been gaia again like mother earth's own and you know she's very sentient she's very smart she can do things to create you know um you know ending ending civilizations and a lot of people think that the dinosaurs were another one where you know that there was meteors sent to wipe off these beasts to prepare the land for something gentler like humanity whatever you think about that right so there's so many so much evidence of these cataclysms um and i think that for me i more focus on just that cyclical understanding that we can't stay in a golden era but we also won't stay in the dark ages and that that cycle is what makes earth the school it's truly 
basically an advanced school to be here as a soul. And depending on when you decide to come is the lessons that you're going to learn. You're either going to be learning about descension, which is difficult, or you're going to be learning about ascension, um, which is we're all on an ascension path right now because our planet Gaia is on an ascension path. Okay, Jenny, just before we end part one, uh, can you please tell listeners where they can find more about your work or how they can work with you? Absolutely. So come and find me on YouTube as Starseed Academy. There are so, there's so much information. I have like over 300 videos, maybe 400 videos at this point. So please come over there and and feel free to binge and then come on over to Instagram where you can also find me as Starseed Academy with the blue check. And I welcome you to, you know, feel free to DM me if you have any questions about anything we've covered in today's talk. what you are basically. Deep, deep down, far, far in, is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Really, peace in our time, peace in all time. Honestly, expressing yourself. Peace for all men and women, for all men and women, for all men and women. Not merely peace in our time, peace in all time. The fabric and structure of existence. Not really peace in our time, peace in all time.